0: you happy God is real? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you're so real to us, Lord. That's why we're here this evening, Lord. We thank you for the realities of God that are in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom of the Spirit that moves us from day to day. And God, we wouldn't know what to do without the hope that we have burning in our hearts. And Lord, we ask that it burn brighter. God, make yourself more real to us. Lord, until we step into your very image, we pray, O oh God, that you lift us up, give us strength, undergird us, heal us, bless us, strengthen us. Lord, you're the strength giver. And we're drawing from you tonight. We look to you, Lord. We call on your name. We ask, Father, that you move in our midst. You know the burdens of our heart. Lord, those that could not be here, that would desire to be here, we ask, Lord, that you move out, Lord, into the land where your believers are meet them where they are if they be sick or if they be weary out on the internet Lord God you're so real we know that faith has no distance and you have no distance so we just ask Lord that you move among your people worldwide dear God we thank you for the hope that is in our hearts bless us Lord as we gather together tonight Lord as many of us have needs praying things we may not utter one to another, but you know all about it. And we know that you care. We know that your eye is on us. So we ask, Lord, that you administer to our hearts. God, it would be such an honor for you just to pass by, just to make eye contact, Lord. Just to hear a word from you would mean so much to us. Father, we ask that you bless the people and their sacrifice, and their coming, all of us in our gathering. We know we won't be disappointed because you made a promise. Father, we love you. We thank you. We commit this service into your mighty hands. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. We trust everybody had a good Christmas. and and, uh, This kind of season, as Brother Branham said, is a sacred time. But he said Christmas should be every day. But it is a sacred time where we reflect upon the first coming of Christ and And I'm not quite over that, so I'm going to preach a Christmas message tonight. And I want to preach on expectation for the second coming of the Lord. If we could just turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Very familiar scripture to us. We read verse 25 down through 38. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, or he was looking for the Messiah. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, they then took he him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles. And the, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be evil spoken against. And yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. And the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asser. And she was of great age, and she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. May God bless the reading of his word. You can have your seats this evening. I was just studying a particular thought on expectation of the second coming of the Lord and I, I was looking through some of Brother Branham's Christmas messages and it's, it's quite amazing that one of the Christmas messages that Brother Branham preached was one that we're all familiar with. It's called a message that the world is falling apart. And he preaches this in 1962 around Christmas. And he preaches it in 1963 around Christmas. He preached it several times. And he was taking the conditions of the world of the first Christmas, and he was paralleling it with the second coming. And I just want to take a little time to, to work with the first coming to build my thought. As you know that the first coming of Christ had come after 400 years of what's called the silent years where God had not spoken through a prophet since Malachi, had not sent a messenger. They call it the 400 years of silence. It was like a great drama where God would do a part of a skit and then he would close the curtain and he would rearrange all of the props and so forth. And and the people are waiting for the next part of the story. And then as the curtains begin to move back, Then the next phase begins And that's the way God does with redemption Sometimes throughout the years There will be a prophet laid down And there will remain silence for many years But God, even though God may not be speaking Through a particular messenger Yet God is still active all the time Working on the scenes Working on the props Setting up stage For the next move of redemption Can you say amen and so during those 400 years of silence, if you study, there was a lot of prophecy being fulfilled at that time. There was lots of war and turmoil and political unrest. And Daniel the prophet had given an accurate chronology of prophecy. If you study his visions, it's called the times of the Gentiles. And it's an accurate prophecy of the secession of kingdoms that would go from Babylon to Medes and Persians to Alexander the Great, he sees these prophecies unfold. He said, I see the winds striving upon the waters, and he, and that was winds and strife and war. And then he said, I saw beasts coming up out of the sea, which was political powers. He said, I seen four kings raise up and one kingdom rise after the other would rise and fall, rise and fall. He said, until I seen the ushering in of the coming of the kingdom of God, and there was no end to that kingdom. And in these series of visions, it's, it's absolutely astounding. As historians study it, he pinpointed it from the kingdom of Babylon to the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. Then it went to Alexander the Great, one of the greatest conquerors of all time. And Daniel spoke of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great was very sympathetic to the Jewish people, but he desired to spread the Greek culture all over the world, the Greek language and the, the Greek ways. They wanted to make all things Greek, as it were. They called it Hellenization. They, they wanted everyone to be absorbed and there would be one world government, one kind of culture, one people and that's the idea that they have today as well. The only problem was the Greek culture had many gods and even though that they, they actually sympathized with the Jew, they actually coexisted Judaism and Hellenism and over the course of time, the people, the Jews began to let down and they were attracted to the the culture because it was sophisticated, it was artsy, it was popular, and over time, some of the Jews began to draw from the Greek culture and it began to infiltrate the the Jewish religion and then they began to break into different parties, meaning different religious leaders had different ideas and different religious parties began to emerge uh, between them all, and it was still a time of peace. Yeah. But it was during the time of peace they were actually being weakened. And then all of a sudden, a man by the name of F, uh, by the name of uh, Antiochus Epiphanes he rose up. He was a, a madman like Hitler, and he wanted to destroy the Jewish faith. And he actually attacked Jerusalem on the Sabbath day because the Jews did not believe in, uh, have, hold, uh, defending themselves with arms. And he went in and he took over and he, and he actually changed part of Jerusalem to Antioch, which was after his own name. And then he stopped, he banned Bibles, tried to destroy all the Hebrew writings. He banned circumcision. He went into the temple and he offered a, a sacrifice to false gods and he actually sacrificed a swine upon the altar. And he attacked the Jews and, and he killed many of them. And, he, and he, he, was a, he was a madman. He wanted to eradicate the Jews completely. There was a reason for this. It's because the devil knew that just a 100 years from there the Messiah was coming to earth. And any time that God is about ready to do something major, you can watch and see the devil arise in political power. You see him arise in churches. You see doctrines and all kinds of devils let loose. It was amazing, though, that God at this time rose up delivers like he did in the time of Deborah or Jephthah or the judges. He rose up, delivers. They're called the Maccabee brothers. Now, we know that the book of Maccabees is not inspired, but they were a genuine history, and they were absolute warriors because Antiochus Epiphanes, his men, had went into a certain village, and they set up a false god, and he was going to make the villagers worship it. And one of the weaker ones, compromisers, came up to worship it. And then one by the name of Matthias, he took his sword, I believe it, and he killed the compromiser. Then he killed Antiochus Epiphanes' men. And then he and his sons ripped down the altar and they fled to the wilderness. And there thousands began to gather. And quickly after that, Matthias died, I believe it was Matthias and then His son rose to power, which was Judas or Judah, Maccabee. And he began to take on Antiochus Epiphanes, and it looked like a modern-day Israel. These men were ragtag, they were not trained and they were fighting military men 10 times greater than themselves and they fought for four years till they absolutely whipped Antiochus Epiphanes, recaptured Jerusalem and cleansed it from its defilement. Absolutely incredible. Do you love the Lord? The Bible said... That the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And it's all working. Uh, Obama came into power for a reason. Trump is in there for a reason. Politics move in a certain way for a certain purpose. And the whole 400 years of silence was just absolute political war, bloodshed, destruction. And then all of a sudden, the Roman era. And Herod the Great actually hated the descendants of the Maccabees. His own wife was one. And he killed his wife and he killed his own two children because he hated the Maccabees. Rome had many things that they brought to the land such as the law. They brought a law, which they brought order, was almost brutal about it. But Rome was built upon slavery. Men like dogs on a chain were at the doorsteps of the wealthy. And Rome was built upon slaves, and, and, their, and they, they prospered. They were powerful. This was the beast Daniel saw that crushed everything in his path but they built roads all through Rome and then came forth the Herodians then came forth the Zealots and then there was political turmoil in Israel and then they became discouraged they they went into the darkest time of Israel up to that place they were spiraling in darkness This great beast that Daniel saw now controlled Jerusalem. Prostitutes even practiced in the temples. Gross forms of immorality, even boys and youth and harems. It was a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible tells us in Revelations chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried and travailed in birth and was pained to be delivered. Brother Branham said, this was the Jewish church. It was fading out. And the gospel was coming in. And he said, this was the child that was being born and she was travailing under the Roman Empire, crying, oh, Messiah come, oh, Messiah come. And Brother Branham said, then we see her in the Gentile days, and we're saying, oh, Jesus, come quickly, oh, Jesus, come quickly. See, the law was giving birth to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it was at this time that the world was falling apart. The world needed a real Christmas. Yeah. The world needed a gift from God. Yeah. Brother Branham said it's these times that causes men to pray. And he said in the first advent, the world, thank you brother, the world was falling apart. The world was praying for a Messiah. And he said every one of them was looking for a Messiah. He said, now the Jews was looking for a general. They were looking for a military might, a warrior. They were praying for that kind of Messiah. And Brother Branham said they were looking, the whole world was looking for a Messiah, but they all had their own idea of what kind of Messiah they wanted. And he said, notice, It's like denominations all believe in the coming of the Lord, but they have their own view of what it'll be. They have their own idea of what it'll be. Every one of us would have our own idea of every one of us want to be saved. Every one of us want to be delivered. But every one of us have a different idea. And he said some of them believed he would come on golden chariots and draw a sword. You can imagine why they would have this concept. They resented Rome. They hated the oppression. They hated the taxes. They admired the Maccabees for their stand. And they were looking for a new leader. And there was enough scripture to see that God would send someone on the throne of David. Romantic interpretations of of David the warrior, David the lover of God. Maybe Israel was looking for someone like David or someone like the Maccabees, somebody that would deliver. And and notice, God was going to send a Messiah. He was exactly according to Daniel's writings. But notice when God sent them something, he don't send what we want. He sends us what we need. And we didn't need another Maccabee. We didn't need another David at that time. God sent us a baby. And Brother Branham said, that is what they needed. They didn't need a general. They needed a lamb. They needed a baby. We need a power to save us. We need a power to heal us. What good would it be to have a, a warrior, a general, when your soul's going to hell? We needed a blood that would bring us back to God. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? See, God knows what we need. We need a baby, a blood, a Messiah that will deliver us from our unbelief. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. But the man said, you know, we don't want to just join church. We're actually born into a kingdom. You know, when God created the world, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that by the word of God, he framed the world with his words. He holds the world in orbit by his spoken word. The ground under your feet is the spoken word of God. The air that you breathe is the spoken word of God. Do you love the Lord? And Brother Branham said the world is held together by the Word. But when the governments cast away the Word of God, when the households and the families reject God and remove prayer from school and remove the Ten Commandments from the court lawn, then the world begins to fall apart. It is the word of God that holds us together. It is the word of God that holds our families, that holds our churches, that holds our nation, that holds this world together. And You reject the word of God and it's going to fall apart. How many lives I have seen men, their lives are falling apart. If they would turn away and follow this word, their lives would come back into order. The Word of God that holds us together. It's actually what holds our marriages. Marriages are falling apart left and right, worse in the history of mankind. It's because they have left the Word. See, all man made systems are going to fail. The Greeks had failed. The Medes and Persians had failed. Antioch Epiphanes failed. Rome had failed. The schools had failed. The banks had failed. The military had failed. Every man-made system was going to fail. But there's one thing that will not fail. And that is the word of the living God. The Bible said we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. Brother Benham said, We're not born in the organization. We are born by the Spirit of God into the kingdom of God, and He is the King of Saints. He is the Messiah. He rules the church. He rules our hearts. When you reject God and His Messiah, then God will give you what you want. He said, Notice, Germany rejected. They're Messiah. Uh-huh. And he said, so God sent him an Adolf Hitler, an anointed man. Yeah. Yeah. Adolf Hitler was an anointed man, but the man said Mussolini as well. Yeah. And he said, what? When the Pentecostal blessing struck Russia, struck Germany, they rejected the message. They rejected the cross. And they got a swastika. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And he said, no, notice. America... He said, they have rejected the message. He said, now God is gonna give you a modern Ahab and Jezebel. He said, America, it's Christmas again. America has got her Messiah. And watch him what he does. Remember, just like Hitler did in Germany. He said, remember, keep that on your mind, it's taped. You rejected America. You rejected the message of Christ. The rejected the Holy Ghost, which is confirmed before you, right on your own Capitol building, where the power of Christ showed himself, even knew the thoughts of men, could heal your sick, discover your hearts. And now the world is falling apart again. At the first coming of Christ, the religious leaders were confused on the scriptures as they believed that the third coming, the scriptures that pertained to the third coming, was actually applied to the first coming. So they were looking for a son of David. They were looking for uh, Jesus to come in power, which he will. But actually, he came lowly the first time for sacrifice, and though the whole world, the whole church world was going into lukewarmness, though the whole world was falling apart and people were abandoning their faith, there was an elected little group that was still watching, still waiting, still believing, still holding. Yeah. Brother Benham said, There will always be someone God can put his hand on. There will be always someone that will be standing on the word of God, what God promised. Brother Benham said there were six in those days. Zechariah, it was Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, blind Anna. He said there were six in those times. And he said notice the words of Isaiah went down through the ages. 800 years until it lodged in the womb of Mary. And it fell on a simple peasant girl. Wouldn't you love for the word of God just to fall on you tonight? And during this time, as we've seen the kingdoms rising and falling, the angel of the Lord reveals himself to Mary. I love the way Brother Branham had painted the picture how Her and Mary, or I'm sorry, her and Joseph was soon to be married. He was building their house. And they would go to the synagogue and listen to the preacher preach. He was telling the stories of Moses and the power of God that delivered the children of Israel. And he said, but alas, God doesn't do it like that anymore. They went home and they were talking and about the sermon she said I really enjoyed it until he said that he was a God of yesterday she said Joseph I don't believe it I respect my pastor I respect the man of God but somehow I believe he is just as much a healer just as much God as he's ever been God and I know that he loves us and I know he is in my life and in your life and he's, his eyes is on his people. Joseph said, I believe that too, honey. Brother Branham said, how she had got up in the morning to go get water at the well. She's walking down those narrow cobblestone streets and she saw a flicker of light and turned. And there was standing an angel. How many believe in visitations of angels? Ain't that wonderful to have the ability to believe? Isn't it wonderful that you can believe in divine healing and raising the dead in visitation of angels? You believe in a God that never was or always was and always will be, never had a beginning, never had an end. You know, God puts that ability in you. You're a believer because God made you a believer. You're God's workmanship. That ought to make you shout tonight. We know how the story unfolds. and Joseph is troubled because he sees she's getting great with child and she has a story never knowing a man but the old Holy Spirit had overshadowed her. He was troubled and God came to him and dealt with him in his situation. Ain't it wonderful? You know, sometimes God just Don't make it easy, but we've got to believe. We've got to have a little faith about us. And you can imagine how his head must have been spinning, how the devil was attacking him in that vulnerable time. But by the grace of God, Joseph had an anchor of the heart after his dream. And all of a sudden, there was a commandment, go back to Bethlehem, the whole world is taxed demon possessed Herod had sent everyone back I don't care if you're a leper I don't care if you're sick I don't care if you're pregnant everyone go back and pay your taxes not picking on Joe tonight I'll be the tax collector tonight every one of you back to your homeland give Rome that which is hers so they packed the the donkey. Brother Branham said she might have been past due. You know how many times Brother Branham said the coming of the Lord is past due? He said we're on borrowed time. The coming of the Lord should have been come a long time ago. God have mercy on us. Packs her up. Hot Palestinian sun. Imagine she's fanning herself. He's doing his best to go around all the bumps and hits a bump. Hits another bump. And anyone who ever had a child knows what it must have felt like to have been married. God's letting her do it. Hits another bump. Joseph. Hits another bump. Joseph! Yes, sweetheart. Please. I'm trying to honey you can imagine how she felt brother Branham I love the way he described it he said she come over top of Bethlehem and stopped and he said the mule was panting (laughs) he said let's just take a break honey and he tried to take her off set her on a rock (laughs) you rest there honey He's looking, and he sees people all down in the valley. He sees torches lit, and oh, there's a stir, and there's a great noise, and he sees sick and afflicted, people are laying in the streets, it's it's just chaos, and he looks, and he's a little discouraged, because he don't know what he's fixing to get into, he looks out, and he said, honey, it's getting dark, the sun is setting, and he said, just over yonder, He said, right there is where Ruth came into Boaz's field. It was right there. She came into the right field at the right time. She didn't even know it, Mary, but her her footsteps was predestinated and she went to the right place at the right time. You never would have thought, Mary, that she would have been guided by God in losing her husband, her trials, and her tribulations was taking her into the fullness of redemption. I imagine he had himself a little sermon. Right over there, Mary. That's where David went after his father's sheep. It was right out there. He stood like a hero. He didn't tuck tail and run, but he went after the devil and he took back what was his father's. I imagine he was anointed by the same God that Ruth was anointed by. Oh, he was getting into it. I imagine it was like a 30 out six, hit neck bear between the eyes. Mary? Mary. She's just staring off like women do. Are you listening to me? She said, have you noticed that star? I noticed it come out as the sun was setting. I've never seen it before. He goes, I've, I've not noticed it. She said, it seems like it's been going with us the whole time. How many believe that God cares about you? Yeah. She's a 15-year-old girl, insignificant to the world, but God had a divine purpose in her life. The God of David, the God of Ruth, is now the God of Mary. God be the God of evening, like tabernacle tonight. Yeah. He is our God that cares and guides our footsteps. They yeah. weighed down in there, knocking on the door, Sir, it's, it's getting late. My wife, I think tonight is the night. Do you have any room? I don't have any room. room and he shuts the door and it's one disappointment after the other. God, where are you? I, I know you're guiding us, but I don't understand the situation. You ever been there? You can see God, but then you're totally confused about all the other parts. But see, God wouldn't let him in the end. There was no room in the end. Yes. There was no room for the Messiah in the end, or in the churches or in the organizations. There was no room right. Right. And finally found a kind-hearted man, said, "Listen, fella, I feel for that little lady. I don't have much, but sit stable out there." Yes, sir. You can stay there for the night. I just put fresh straw and water down in there. You can make your bedding in there tonight. He said, I'll be much obliged. Thank you. Thank you, sir. As they walk in there, I imagine it smelled like a stinky stable. I imagine it felt like a stinky stable. And I imagine it felt very normal, just like you and I here tonight. Little did they know that God was guiding their footsteps. He had to be born in a stable. Because he was the Lamb of God, the gift of God to the earth. He had to be born in Bethlehem, the house of God's bread. You love the Lord. And as she spends a little night there, she brings forth the greatest gift that God ever gave to the Earth. How many believe in given gifts? This was the greatest gift that God would ever give to mankind. And how humble it was that He bypassed the Pharaohs. He bypassed the Roman generals and the Roman leaders. And he's in a little place, a little place called Bethlehem. And when the baby is born, and he takes a sack and rubs the baby and tries to clean it up, he don't have nothing to put the baby in. And he sees swaddling around the neck of an ox, because this baby would be the red heifer. This baby would be the sacrifice to the earth. And he takes it off. He don't know what he's doing. He's inspired. And he wraps this baby. Wrap it tight. Let it sleep all night. Places it in his mama's arms. God was wrapping his gift And now he gives it to the earth as a love gift to fallen man. When man didn't deserve a gift, man didn't deserve it. In the darkest hour, God sent a Messiah. Can you say amen? And it was wrapped. It wasn't wrapped in tinsel and beautiful shiny things. It was wrapped in humility. God wrapped his own gift was himself and gave himself to man. God hidden in a baby. God veiled in a baby. Hallelujah. God's gift come in a way that no one else wanted. They were looking for something big. They were looking for something different. But it came the way God Wanted to give it How many say Lord I just want to receive it The way you want to give it God wrapped that baby Wrapped in, God wrapped humanity Brother Branham said That was God's super sign You know what the super sign is? Study the super sign. The super sign is God in flesh. Behold, I give you a sign. I give you a super sign. When they saw that baby, they were saying God in flesh. God, Emmanuel, in his people, God in his church. The super sign. When you see that sign, you know God is visiting the earth. It was the love of God wrapped up in the form of a baby. It wasn't some sort of Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't some new doctrine. It wasn't some new church movement. It wasn't no Holy Grail. But it was a living breathing God, with skin on it. It was the love of God beating in the life of that baby. That's what I want. I don't want a dead ark or a dead brass serpent. I want a living, breathing, spiritual reality of God in his people. I don't want a theory, I don't want a history. I want God in me, living and breathing. Can you say amen? amen? That's what we need for Christmas is the God of reality in your heart, in my heart. That's the super sign. Glory. Brother Brenham, come out of the scriptures. Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this is the word yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may be remain. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. Brother Branham uses that scripture to preach the world is falling apart. I want to go back to Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, where this is the original reading that Paul had quoted. If you want to go back there with me, You can. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I'll shake all the nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I'll fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. I will shake the nations. In his first coming, he shook the empires. He shook Persia. He shook Alexander's dominion. He shook Rome. He shook every one of those nations. And when he shook the nations, the desire of all nations shall come. The coming of Christ is the desire of the human heart. All man desires to have life, not to be sick. Even history records at the time of the coming of Christ that all nations were hungering. Poets were writing of the expectation of the first coming. Christ was truly the desire of all nations. He was the desire of the hungry soul. He was the desire of the lost man. He was the desire of the blind man. He was the desire of the insane man. He is the desire of the working man, of the working child. He is the desire of the schoolboy. He is the desire of the housewife. He is the desire of all humanity. How many can say amen? If you don't have any friends, he is a friend to the friendless. He is a friend of sinners. He is hope to the hopeless. When he lived on earth, he manifested it. He was forgiveness to a woman caught in adultery. He was salvation to a thief on the cross. He is the desire of nations. When the lepers were cast out of society, he won't come running after them. When legion could not help himself, God came looking for him. He is the desire of the thirsting heart. How many say I'm hungering and thirsting after that kind of God? He was not just a doctrine. He was God made flesh, manifested. He was the word expressed. He didn't go to a school. He didn't leave a school behind or a denomination. He never wrote a book. But his life was the word made manifest. Brother Redham said the church is perishing for that kind of love. How many want to see God's love displayed? He said real divine love would start a revival that the governments couldn't stop. Nobody could stop it. God was projecting his love to man. That ought to make you happy because he loved the unlovable. I know we sit there like we got halos over our head. He loved the unlovable and I'm one of them. We can't even get along with ourselves but he cared enough to reach down. Reach down his hand and come running after you. He expressed what God's love was to the earth when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You want to talk about a gift. How would have you liked to have a Roman God with a lightning bolt ready to blow you out of the water or some sort of slave chained to his ankle? How would have you like to worship one of those gods that you would pray to? And he never could hear you. He had better things to do. How would you like to be a Hindu worshiping some sort of creature with 10 heads on it? Better yet, a Christian with three heads on it. Think about where you sat this, this evening. I'll give you a sign. It'll be a super sign that this God loves you so much he'll become a man and pursue you. I'll give you a super sign. I love you so much. I'll take your place. I'll heal your sickness. I'll go to hell for you. I'll go to the cross for you. I'll give you a super sign, not only to that age, but all ages. A virgin will cause, cons- Emmanuel, God with us now, God in us. A sign, an eternal sign for all ages. God dwelling in his people. We opened up the scripture of a man named Simeon. He was a just man, a devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the coming of the Messiah. If you will, pull up Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Watch this now. Please bear with me. I'm getting to the place where I just lay in the groundwork here. Daniel chapter 9. Know therefore and understand that from the beginning the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince shall be seven weeks, threescore and two weeks The streets shall be built again in the wall in troublesome times. It was about this time that students of prophecy were looking for this prince to arrive because he told right down to the literal time when he would appear on earth. It's what he did for the Jews in the 70 weeks. You could calculate it and you could see this is the time of the Messiah. Brother Branham said Simeon was a righteous old man, a wonderful old saint about 90 years old with a long white beard. And he said he actually craved, he he desired with a deep calling in his life to see the Christ, the Messiah. And Simeon expected to see him with such faith that God rewarded him Because Brother Branham said notice the deep calling to the deep that's what brings the results. When you hunger for God and more God that will bring more God to you and to your family. When you hunger for righteousness there's righteousness for you. When you hunger for healing there's healing for you. That hunger brings the results to you. How many say, Lord, put a hunger in my life. I want more God. I want more power in my life. And Brother Branham said all through the ages, you'll see it was the hunger of the people that brought God on the scene. Remember in the first exodus, they began to cry out. They rejected Moses. But a little, little bit later, God put a little pressure on them. They began to cry and God sent him back. But Brother Branham said, he, he said, I heard the groans of my people. He said, when the people get to praying, it brings God on the scene. Hallelujah. How many love to see God on the scene in your life and more greater in this church? He said, when the Lutherans got called and formal, he said, the Methodists began to travail and began to cry. And that deep call to the deep brought the Wesleyan revival to their church. Amen. He said, they found more God. They was craving more. Right. Then they organized. And then the believers began to hunger for more. The Pentecostals came and they were crying out and God sent a revival. He said around the turn of the century, they began to cry out to God. And he said, God sent a new outpouring in the first century. Amen. Brother Branham said, finally, the hunger would call the bride out of denominationalism and the message will never organize meaning we will continue to hunger to the coming of the Lord how many are hungering to see a body change to see your dead loved ones how many are hungering to see God manifested in his church the super sign God living in his people God's always had someone he can put his hand on and Simeon was this kind of man. He was humble before God and he had a receptive heart that God could deal with. You know, Brother Branham talked about Zachariah. Zechariah was a godly man, but he said he had a calloused heart. And he said that's why he disbelieved and went dumb and for a season. It's because he questioned God. He was still elect, but his heart was calloused. And if there's ever a time that our hearts can get hardened by disappointment, hardened by church splits and all the foolishness and chaos that we see, it's now. But God help us to have a receptive heart. Where you lead me, I will follow. Help us, Lord, to receive all that you have for us. God, I need more. I know you need more. We all need more. God could deal with him because he was receptive, he stayed in a Holy Spirit atmosphere and God revealed to him he would see the Messiah. I can imagine his church friends when he said, the Lord spoke to me. Oh, really, what did he say? He said, I was going to see the Messiah. Uh, Simeon, I, I forgot to mow the I'll see you next Sunday, Saturday. Preacher, can I talk to you just a minute? Why, sure, sit down. What is it, Simeon? The Lord revealed to me that I would see the Messiah. Listen, you're going to go off on deep water. Everyone starts giving him the cold shoulder. you know, when God reveals something to you, it don't matter if you're standing all by yourself. I'm so excited. I'm going to see him. It don't matter if I have a friend in the world. You know, Jesus has a way of coming by when everyone's put you out. Remember the blind man when they put him out of the church? It was about that time Jesus come walking by. (laughs) Listen, God loves it for you to walk with him. Enoch walked alone with God. Jesus walked alone with God. The Holy Spirit moved upon Simeon. Simeon, Brother Branham said, was studying the scriptures. He said, get up. He said, yes, my Lord. What would you have your servant know? He said, start walking. Amen. He said, he walked out into the crowded corridors of the temple. He's pushing through the people. His eyes are set. And he's walking. And he's praying, Lord, you spoke to me. I know it was you. What would you have your servant know? And next thing you know, he turns by the woman's court. And there's, there's hundreds of women. And the women have fine needlework. And, beautiful little babies and little mothers all in line waiting for their baby to be circumcised and he's walking by the line of women and the Holy Spirit said stop and this 90 year old man stops and God still deals with 90 year old men. God still deals with old men and old women. You're just as valuable as you've ever been to God. While you have life in your being, you serve God with all your heart. He stops and he looks and there's a 15 year old little girl and there's a little space around her. The girls didn't want to get close to her because she had a black name. When we stand for the message we got to bear the reproach of the word but she knew she was holding something in her arms. She was holding your gift and my gift and she was responsible to take care of that word for her age. I wonder if we could hold this message like she did that baby and nurse it and hold it and cherish it and protect it and feed it. She's sitting there. She's a peasant. And she looks at him. He looks directly at her and she turns her head for a minute. She's holding her peasant offering. And she looks back and makes eye contact but then she sees the glory of God in his face. Her glory and his glory locked. He grabbed that baby in his arms and he held it and he began to prophesy. My eyes have seen thy salvation, Lord. You have let me see it. I believed it. You brought me to it, Lord. Amen. You brought me to the message of the hour. You brought me to the rapture. You brought me here my eyes are seeing my salvation we have seen the restoration of the word we have seen the restoration of all things we have seen the revelation of the son of man we are seeing the scripture fulfilled standing there with the peasant offering 200 women watching and all the sudden tears rolling down his face she's shouting I imagine she's raising her hands Amen Brother Branham said He had an atmosphere of expectation And that atmosphere allowed God to lead him What if we created an atmosphere here tonight Where we could lift our hands And give God honor and praise Where he can lead this church Into deeper depths And all of a sudden It struck Simon, And then a little old lady in the back It struck Hannah Anna was worse off than Simeon because Anna was a blind woman and the spirit, but she knew the voice of God. She was in the temple. She was praying. She was like the Jemima woman. She had contact with God. My niece wrote a, Lauren, she wrote a little quote that I never read before. Brother Branham said, he said the atomic bomb, he said, A believer in contact with God is greater than any atomic bomb that there is. Anna was in contact with God. Holy Spirit struck her, 90-some years old. He said, move, blind. People bumping into her blind, but she could see further than the high priest and everybody in the country. We walk by faith and not by sight and people are getting her way and she just keeps moving around. I know God's nudging me this way. I might not be able to see the next step but he's holding her hand. She's walking through these hundreds of people and God is guiding her. He stops her way, and go oh, go this way. She turns this way. He begins to move this little blind woman right to him. She was looking for the consolation of Israel. She, she was waiting. She was living for that day. I'm sure the aches and pains discouraged her, but the love for her God overrode all of the arthritis and all of the physical sickness and aches and pains. If I could just lay my eyes on him. All the priests in their start shaken hands and sacrifices, and she walked right by him greatest men in Jerusalem shaking hands, hey doctor, hey doctor she walked right by them and they didn't even turn to see what was happening and she was being led to the greatest gift on the face of the earth hallelujah They were marveling about the temple and marveling about all the church and right there in the midst, they were missing the greatest gift that God ever gave man on the face of the earth. If God can speak to Hannah, God can speak to you, God can speak to me. You can't have expectation unless you have faith. Your faith brings expectation. You believe in the coming of the Lord because you have faith. How many knows we're living in that day? The Bible said he'll come like a thief. How many times Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. The Bible tells us, if you want to turn with me to Philippians chapter three, verse 20. Philippians chapter three. Verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look, which means fully expect or wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like his own glorious body. And he look, he appears to them That are looking for Him. Looking at every signpost. Watching every move. Studying the scripture. Studying modern events made clear by prophecy. Watching every move that God makes. Turn with me to Isaiah 45 verse 22. This is, this is a favorite scripture of mine. Isaiah 45 verse 42. 45, 22. He says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. This is amazing. He said, look unto me all ends of the earth. This is a direct quote coming from look away to Jesus. Brother Branham said, now look unto me ends of the earth or when the earth has come to its end. Or the system of the earth has come to its end. Let the people look to him. Amen. Especially look unto me. When the world systems, he said, he always makes himself real at the end of a world system when it's coming to its end. He says, look, because he's trying to catch the attention of the bride. If I say, Brother Aaron, look. Look. He'll look, I'm trying to move his attention to show him something. And when God says, look unto me, you end time people, he is trying to catch our attention to get us to look at him, to look away from the world and to look to him. Look away from your sickness. Look away from your condition. Look away from your past and look up to him. Look unto me. First, God has to get your attention and then direct your eyes to a particular place, an object where the Spirit is telling you to look. If I said, look at that mountain yonder, or if I was with Brother George and I said, look at that 30-point buck, his head would turn quickly because I am drawing his attention to the object that I want him to see. Look means to pay attention. God is trying to show man something. Can you say amen? Amen. This is amazing. Brother Branham said, when God created Adam, Adam was to focus upon the word of God. He said, but Eve failed to focus on God's word and she listened to reasoning and one way became two ways. So he said, Brother Branham said this, we can't lose our focus. Because in all of the turmoil, the political turmoil, even the turmoil within this message, all the voices and all of the prophets, is here, is there, it's over here. You must focus upon something that God has called our attention to, which is the message of the hour. You can spend hours in conspiracy. You can spend hours in history. You can spend all your life searching for nothing. But when God says, look at this message, he's saying, focus upon it. Give your full attention to it. Give your heart to it. Everyone shut your mouth, open your ears, and look on this. Brother Branham said he was out in the desert and he, he was, I think he had a range finder. He's with Billy Paul. He said, I looked out and I, and I saw three cactus. He said, I pulled it down and I saw one cactus. He said, I pulled it back up and I saw three cactus. Come to find out, I was out of focus. He said, so I had to bring the range finder into focus. And he said the Holy Spirit is our range finder that brings the object into clarity. You won't be seeing three gods when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Those three will become one. And we want to focus on this word till the bride and the one are the bride and God are one flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life. In that day, you will know I'm in the Father, the Father in me, I and you, and you and me. The Spirit and the bride say, Come saying the same thing. The Holy Spirit is to bring us focus of the message. I say yes Lord. Yes. Down in. Let me focus on what you want me to see. Do you know Brother Branham said focusing on the word always, say always, always, always brings us to victory? That's why when Joshua had crossed the Jordan, he had told them, watch the Ark of the Covenant, focus right on that word, and that word will bring you through every trial, through every Jordan. It'll bring you through Laodicea. It'll bring you through your problems. Just focus on the word of God. It'll lead you to victory every time. Do you believe that? Brother Branham said, faith in God's word brings focus. Abraham focused his faith on the will of God. And it brought his life in alignment with the will of God. But we must be focused. God help us. God help us not to be distracted. The devil has put out so many distractions. Don't waste your time. We should be listening to the message, studying the message, comparing it to the word of God. Can I go just a few little bit. You know, way, way off in the eastern lands or western lands, wherever they were, there was wise men who studied the stars. And Brother Branham said, where did these wise men come from? And how did they know anything about Jesus? Where did they, how did they appear? And it's amazing, Brother Branham said, the wise men studied the writings of Daniel. He said, because if you remember, Daniel was ten times wiser than all the wise men of the kingdom. And God had exalted Daniel in such a place that his wisdom so far exceeded all the wise men that they all started reading the same books so they packed those books of Daniel with them and Brother Branham said they studied the writings the sacred books this is astounding to me and he said they watched the move of the heavenly bodies and he said if Christians would study God's word like those wise men studied the heavens we would be seeing the movements of God and his people they were in an observation tower And I believe that's where wise men should be. Watching for the coming of the Lord. Waiting for the coming of the Lord. Watching the heavens. They would study the sacred scrolls. This is amazing. I'm going to read some of it to you. He said, and the subject went a long time. They studied the falling of the kingdoms the collapse of their empires, their social standings, the wars that had torn the earth, the bathing it of blood, their comrades, as spiritual, only spiritual men understand spiritual things. That great unfolding of the great days gone by, their shame, the sacred fire licked its way up and vanished and represented the one true living God. And he said they began to sing and get themselves in a spiritual atmosphere and he said that God will move upon this group of people if we do what they did. Their hopes was kindled. When the empires would cease and fall, they were looking for an everlasting kingdom to come. They studied the heavenly bodies. They knew all the bodies by name. They watched every movement. They weren't just gambling their soul. They were putting everything they had into the word for their day. God help us to study the message like they studied the stars. So when people tell you something, you know where you stand. Brother Branham said this went on. They kept looking and kept looking and all of a sudden they saw an appearing." They saw a visitor. They'd never seen this one before. Brother Branham said as they looked at it, they were speechless as the star defied all science. Are you listening? They were watching the great constellation of the heavenly bodies. Brother Branham said, I hope you can read between the lines. And they were watching for Daniel's prophecy to be fulfilled. And they were watching every movement of the stars. They were watching. They were looking for salvation. They were looking for a coming kingdom of God. Night after night, they discussed it. They watched it. And they saw that a star would rise out of the east. Brother Branham said, God will only come to those who are looking for him. Brother Branham said, We can only see the coming of the Lord by the Holy Spirit. He said, I counsel you to buy ISAF that you might see in this day. How many say, Lord, give me ISAF? Focus, Lord. Help me to focus. Give me an old fashioned, fresh vision. Let me see Christ. Let me see Christ in my pastor. Let me see Christ in the message. Let me keep my eyes on Christ. Look away from the world and look at the message of the hour. Focus your life until you see you and Christ as one, covered by his blood, covered by his righteousness, covered in his holiness, shrouded by his power. Focus your life until you're hidden Christ. Amen. Do you know Brother Branham said the most vital of Bible subjects is the second coming of Christ? You know, he said there are more scriptures. Jesus spoke more of the second coming than he did the first coming. It is the most vital subject in the Bible. The second coming of Christ And he said the world is out of control. It's a horrible time for the unbeliever. But it is a glorious time for a believer who's watching and waiting. And we like John says Lord come quickly. People are confusing the appearing of Christ with the coming of Christ. People are confusing just like they did the first coming. They're confusing the second coming. And the coming of the Lord is past due. Daniel's revelation parallels perfectly with he told the Jews all the way to their consummation. And did you know that John revealed to the Gentiles all the way to the consummation? Did you know Brother Branham said the consummation of the church ages is the seventh church age? It is the consummation, which means completion. That's what seven means. It means completion. That's what the seventh seal was. It was the end of all things, the end of time, the end, the end, the end. It was to bring completion of God's work of redemption. Can you say amen? And the second coming of the Lord cannot be fulfilled until every redeemed subject is in the body of Christ. The second, that's what Brother Branham said, the second coming of Christ will not come until every last soul is redeemed and then Christ will return. He will leave mediation. Brother Branham said in 1964, we're trying to get every soul that we can save. He said, so Jesus can come. He cannot come unto the last one whose name is on the book of life, was put there before the foundation of the world. When that name is called, that last one, he came to redeem, to bring back. Redeem is to bring back. When he brings in that last one, he's sitting at the right hand of God, doing meditatorial work. When that last soul is saved, that was redeemed and seen and known by God before the foundation of the world. When that last soul is saved, he closes the book. And when the lamb comes out and takes the book out of the right hand of him that sits on the throne, he's coming then, he's coming to the earth. That's why he says, I'll take one and leave one. The second coming, he will take one And he will leave one. We have seen the sign of his appearing. We have seen the last sign to the Gentiles. We have seen the Son of Man revealed. We have seen the Word restored. And Brother Branham said, I don't see anything left but the readiness of the church. Do you know how close we are? Did you know Brother Branham said that this age would be the age of the short, quick work? Yes, it is. And Brother, now, this isn't a 1977 prediction. This is by Scripture. Brother Branham said, the Holy Spirit gave me the duration of the ages. How did Brother Branham know the duration of the ages? How, how could anyone know the messenger, let alone the, the segmented time of the age he did like Daniel did? And God showed him the duration of every age. He did not put 1963 in the church age book. Because no man knows the day nor the hour. We know that. But he said he then connected like no other theologian on earth. No one else has ever done. He took the last age and applied it to the short quick work that God would make upon the earth. He said a quick short work of consummation. Meaning he would bring the false vine to its completion. He would bring the true vine to its completion. He would bring redemption to its completion. And did you know that he's not just harvesting the wheat, he's also harvesting the false vine? Brother Branham said both wheat and tare are harvested in the seventh age and at the rapture the seventh age will cease. Absolutely, Brother Branham, so the whole church age book, Brother Branham types as Matthew chapter 13 And he sowed good seed and bad seed and it came up to the ages of true and false vine and both are harvested in the last day which is called the consummation. Pull up consummation, click it, it'll bring you to Matthew chapter 13. And Brother Brenham said the false vine must be bound in bundles, the world council of churches, before the wheat goes up. And then he connected, except those days be shortened, there would be no flesh saved. Then he goes into the Philadelphian age. Lo, I come quickly. He said he's saying that the Laodicean age will be a short one. Do you realize our messenger has come and gone? We're living, the world is falling apart. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. You say, brother Craig, why is all the kingdom building? Why all the chaos? Because it's got to be like the first age. Kingdoms arise, kingdoms will fall, but the bride will be watching, focusing in upon her lover and her Lord. How many say, "Lord, I don't want to be left behind?" I'm not trying to scare you. This is the reality of where we are. We are in the greatest age the world has ever seen. And it's going to be over in a twinkling of an eye. How many say, Lord, I just want to be honest. I've been distracted. I've been more, I've let my heart go after natural things. Not sinful things. You know, in the Bible they said they went and built houses and just natural things of life. God help us. I say, Lord, I want to Focus. Give me an appetite for your word. Let me care, Lord. Let me care about church. Let me care about what's happening around the the bride, around the world. Let me care about what you're trying to achieve in your people. We're waiting on you, but God is waiting on us. Amen. What a blessed people we are. Let us stand to our feet. as the musicians will come. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious, eternal Father, I feel like a loss of words. We find ourselves living in the Bible days. We find ourselves living, Lord, at the end of all time. God, we're waiting on your glorious appearing, declaring it to the world. We're not ashamed of it, Lord. You have placed this in our hearts this hunger for the coming of the Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would move freely among your people this evening. I pray, Lord, that it'll move upon the youngest hearts, even to the oldest. Lord, that you'll make this message a living reality to all of us. Starting with me, Lord. Help me, O oh God, to give my heart completely, Lord. Watching, Lord, studying and praying. Not distracted, but focused upon your will for this hour. God, I ask in Jesus' name that you'll begin to move upon every man, woman, and child and reveal your will for their lives. Help us to focus, Lord. Help us, Lord, to focus our lives. Get rid of everything that besets us, Lord. And just pour on all of our strength in these these last hours that we stand. We ask in Jesus' name that we'll focus until we become hidden, Christ. Until we have the assurance that we should have. Until we have the faith that we should have. Until we have the peace, Lord, that we should have. Help us, Lord, to become one with the vision. We know, Lord, that it's man can't do it. So we look to you as you told us, look all ye ends of the earth and be ye saved. We're looking to you, Lord. We're looking to you in our weakness. We're looking to you, Lord, in our frailty. We're looking to you in our helplessness, Lord. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for this message. In Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. You get me started. Even so, Amen. Come,
1: Lord Jesus.
0: Come. Wonderful. Let's make that our prayer tonight.
1: Even so, to take